0: Awesome to be back. I don't know about you, but I've been going a little crazy not being able to be come up here and uh, be with God's people, and so it's, it's really good to see y'all again. Um, I remember we had practice here on Wednesday, and just to have the girls singing again, it's like yes, it felt so good. So um, I hope y'all are excited about worshiping. Let's stand. And we'll praise Jesus. Give
1: thanks. Give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. For he is good, he is above all things. His love endures forever. Sing praise. mighty hand in an outstretched arm. This love endures forever for the life that's been reborn. This love endures forever. see sing, prayer. the rising to the setting sun, His love endures forever, and by the grace of God we will carry on, His love endures forever.
0: So, Pastor, I guess we're not having a meet and greet this morning, are we? No? Okay. All right. Let's sing. This is so weird. Let's sing You Are So Good To Me.
1: You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. You are beautiful, my sweet, sweet song. I will sing again. died upon the cross. You are my Jesus who loves me. You poured out all your blood, you died upon the cross. You are my Jesus who Change to come, knowing the battles won, for you have never failed me. Water, you who thirst, you'll thirst.
0: Father God, we thank you, and we know that you are here this morning with us. And uh, God, we just can't thank you enough for just your presence here and uh, just your spirit here in this room. God, I pray that um, you would just heal those that that are sick and uh, pray that you would just help us um, mentally and emotionally to get through this time and uh, to just draw closer to our family. Families and draw closer to you, and uh, just help us to, to learn what you what you want us to learn through this, and um, just open our eyes to to your truth in Jesus' name, Amen. We've got special music from Season Johnson today. Give her a hand. Do it.
2: I come to you for I know you said is fine I am empty but I know your love does not run dry So I wait for you So I wait for you i broken.
3: Thank you, season. Morning, church. Praise God, we're back together. We're far apart, but we're back together. You know, uh, it's been tough the last few weeks, hasn't it? It's been tough not being but to fellowship, to be together, but uh, it's great to be back here together. We're just uh, going to change things up a little bit. Obviously, we're not going to have a praying time where everybody goes and prays, but uh, I'm going to invite God to, to come into our presence with a prayer. So if you guys will join me in that. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day, for this time together. Father, I thank you for those that are here. I pray your blessing upon each one. Upon their families, Father, I pray that you just care for them in a special way. And for those that are not able to be here for whatever reason, Father, or illness or just being able to, having to stay away, Father, we pray that you bless them this day, that they might know your mighty presence, Father. We pray, Father, that you would guide and direct us as we go forward. Father, you'd continue to keep us safe. Father, that you'd be with those who are in leadership in our, in our church, in our county father in in our country that you would give them your direction father that they might make godly decisions father and that you would continue to stay this terrible disease father give give men your wisdom to find help and we ask this father in jesus name amen
4: Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad to be back together? I got to tell you, I thought maybe we might have 10 people here today. I didn't know what to expect, but I'm I'm very pleased to see that everybody came out. I think you're probably as stir crazy as I am and about had enough of being cooped up. Um, How many of you were able to watch the service on YouTube during this time? Did you like that? Let me tell you how this came about. I want to say a special word of thanks to Tim Taylor. Now, he's not going to like it, but Tim, stand up and just wave. That's all you got to do. Come on. (coughs) Tim's right there. Now, Tim um, came in or gave me a call one day after we found out we had canceled the church services. He said, you know, he said, I do this for a living. He said, I make commercials and do documentaries and things like that. I got all the equipment. I'd be more than happy to come in and we'll do it. I said, well, great. Come on in. So I had no idea what to expect. He comes in with all these cases, now cases, and cameras and lights and all this stuff. And we sit up back there, and he puts all the lighting just right and has it looking really nice. I was, I was overwhelmed. And he puts a lapel mic on me, and then he comes over with this little container. I said, what's that? He said, this is makeup. I said, whoa. I said, now hang on. <laughs> we might be getting carried away with this. But uh, he said, now you got to put this on so that you won't shine in the camera. So we put the makeup on. And uh, and, and I just enjoyed getting to know Tim during that time. And it worked out well. And we're trying to do something. We're going to do it for the whole service today, but we can't get the sound from the board up there into the camera and make it so that it's not distorted. We're going to work on that. Um, If anybody has any extra money laying around, Tim tells me for about $1,000 we can buy a camera mounted underneath that ledge and have uh, video feeds every Sunday. So we may look into that too. There's all kinds of things, but I'm just so appreciative for what he was able to do and how he got us through this time. And um, I look forward to our church being able to come back together as time goes on as far as not having to wear masks and so forth. I don't know when that'll be, but uh, I walked in today and my doctor, Chris, uh, put a mask on me. He said, you gotta be an example. I said, okay. I hate being an example, but I will. So I wore a mask out in the foyer. I wanna encourage you to as well. We'll have masks out there for you. Chris said he's got a box out there now. If you would uh, want to wear one, feel comfortable wearing one, do that. We're also trying to determine how to open up other things. Um, I know that some of you expressed, you know, uh, you don't know how long you're going to be able to sit there with your children. Uh, Hopefully we can get the nursery going back uh, as soon as we can. Our concern primarily is not so much the children. Chris says the children are pretty resilient. He said it's the elderly that watch them, a senior citizen. So we need to consider maybe some younger people helping us during the worship time with child care, our nursery, and uh, getting Children's Church back up and running. We, we're, you know, we're kind of stumbling around in the dark like everybody else is. We don't know what to do, how to go about opening up and getting back to normal, um, what's acceptable or best for us health-wise. And so we're just trying to play it by ear. I, I appreciate your cooperation in working with us and helping us during this time. And I, I just want to encourage you to continue to do that and we'll keep you posted on on what we're doing and and how we're going to go about it, okay? All right, Uh, you know, one of the things that I have had the time to do (coughs) during this time off is, you know, you have nothing else to do, so you watch TV, you watch the news especially because you're interested in what's going on. And one of the things that I've noticed, and it's something I've always known, but it really struck me at this time, is that there are so many people who are being interviewed by news uh, folks, or they're on a talk show or something, and they are they are being put out there as examples of wisdom. <clears throat> Here's a man that can dunk a basketball, and so now all of a sudden, he's an authority. He has wisdom, and everybody should listen to him, or an actor, or somebody that is a politician, or... Um, you know, any any number of, of people that we look up to and we idolize and we think to ourselves, well, that person should know what they're talking about. And as you listen to them, they'll give you all of their opinions and ideas and their bits of wisdom about life, you know, about morality, about religion, about politics, about everything under the sun. And you begin to ask yourself, well, what gives this person the right to be that authority? What gives this person the right to be someone that's labeled as wise because a lot of the things that I'm hearing from them is contrary to what the scripture says. But yet, their opinions carry weight because of who they are and their being well-known, their popularity, and so forth. They're what is known um, on uh, the Internet. They call them influencers, people whose opinions tend to carry weight and affect the way people think. Now, this is especially true with our young people. Our young people idolize their heroes, whether they be sports heroes or actors or singers or whatever. <clears throat> and they tend to look up to these people and think to themselves, they are so good at what they do and their, and their their way of thinking. And so often their way of thinking is contrary to the Bible. And when you look at the scriptures, what you find is that the definition of wisdom According to the scriptures, it's quite different from what you see on the TV and in the news uh, media and so forth. If you were to summarize scripturally what a wise person is, what they look like, it would go something like this. A wise person is the person that lives life according to biblical teaching. They live life according to biblical teaching. They are guided by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God, and that's how they pattern their life. Now, this is important because a wise person, according to the Scripture, is not necessarily the most intelligent person. They're not necessarily the most educated person. You see, we look at people like that and we think, well, he's got all of these doctorate degrees. He must be a wise person, but not necessarily because you have to look at the way they live and their values and their integrity and so forth, and what they are holding up is wisdom to live by. And as you look in the Scriptures, the Bible teaches pretty plainly, Jesus said, I've chosen the weak and the simple and the things that people don't look at as being important or are are beautiful or intelligent, and I've chosen those things to confound the wise or the people that think they're wise. So whenever we look at the scriptures, we find that um, wisdom according to the Bible is simply living according to the scripture, according to the way God would have you to do, be, to be obedient to the, what the Lord has told you to do. And it has more to do with what the way you live and the things you do more, more than the things you know. And so you and I have got to, as Christians, begin to look at life differently because we've got to begin to value the opinions of other people that we know are giving us sound wisdom, godly advice, and to stop valuing the opinions of the fools. Because you see in Scripture, especially when you get into the Old Testament, people who are living contrary to the Scripture and to the Word of God are called in the Bible fools because that's what they've chosen to live like. And that is um, who they are according to the Bible. Now, I want you to understand something as we go into this passage. Wisdom is a choice, okay? Now, here's what I mean. The Spirit of God living in you and me as believers in Christ is always going to lead us into wisdom. But ultimately, you and I have to choose it. We have to choose to obey. We have to choose to pursue God. We have to choose to to follow the Lord. And so this is why I'm saying that wisdom ultimately ends up being a choice that you and I make. We have to make that choice to, to, to choose the, the way of the Lord and to walk with the Lord and to obey the Lord. And I'm going to be honest with you, that sometimes is a real struggle because you see the temptations of the world and trying to live like the guys that dunk the basketballs and throw the TDs and, and the singers that make millions and everything that's put up there as being examples for us to follow. Um, sometimes it's hard to turn our back on that. Sometimes it's hard to to try to live for the Lord in a world that's trying their best to live contrary to that. And sometimes we lose friends, we lose family members, we lose jobs, we lose things because we've chosen to live a wise, godly life. So I understand whenever... Um, People tell me, Pastor, I I know the right thing to do. I know what is the best thing, the wise thing, but it is so difficult to change, to pull away. But we have to. Why do we need to live wise, godly lives? Why is it important? When you look in the Scriptures, you're going to find that when you live or choose to live a foolish life, it's going to cost you. And if you had to say, why should I live uh, differently? It's because of the cost. Sometimes it's too much to bear. Sometimes you're going to lose your family when you live like a fool. A man or a woman choose to be unfaithful to their spouse and they lose their family. In that moment, they were a fool. They made an ungodly choice. And the consequences were great. And sometimes those consequences are too much. There, the cost is too high. sometimes we lose our health when we choose to live live like fools. I grew up in North Carolina <coughs> we grew up where the high schools had a smoking section. they'd let you go outside and smoke as high school students. Now, I never could do that. I always hurt my throat and I never could do it but Many did, and many of them got hooked on tobacco at an early age. It was a foolish thing to do, but all through their lives, even though they knew the risks, they continued, and their health now is ruined because of it. Sometimes acting like a fool costs you your health. It costs you your happiness. It costs you your life. Sometimes it costs you your freedom. And one stupid or foolish decision that you make, either as a young person or or as an adult, And and all of a sudden, you end up in prison. And you've lost your freedom. That was a foolish thing to do, but yet you chose to do it. See, we we all run the risks of, of acting like foolish people at times. And we've got to begin to understand that whenever we do that, the consequences and the cost sometimes is just too high a price. And it costs us too much. Now, in the Scriptures especially in the Old Testament, when they're talking about the fool, they're primarily describing an unbeliever. That's how the Bible is doing it. He's, he's trying to get you to see what the unbelieving world looks like, acts like, thinks like, and then I want you to understand you know, what a godly person looks like. But in reality, there are times in our lives when we as Christians lapse into foolish behavior. And at any given time, you or I can look like a fool. I've seen it too many times in 40 years of ministry. I've seen men who have chosen to pursue an adulterous affair, knowing better, being told not to do it, being warned against it, but yet choosing a foolish act. Um, It happens. And there are other ways and other examples of how we as Christians sometimes act like fools. You yourself can probably think of somebody you know right now in your life, somebody in the church, somebody in your family, that you look at and you think, boy, that person is an absolute fool for what they've done, the way they're acting, the way they're behaving. Now, the Old Testament speaks about this at length. There are in the Bible, in the Old Testament, what are known as wisdom literature. And you go back into the books of of, um, Job and Proverbs and Psalms and Ecclesiastes and some of these books, and you find the wisdom of God in those books. And he speaks often and at length about the difference between a fool, and that's what he's called in the Bible, a fool and a wise person. Now, I want to show you just a couple of verses, just to give you an idea. Because the Bible speaks about this at length. In Job chapter 5, verse 3, it says this, I myself have seen a fool taking root, but suddenly his house was cursed. Now, what is he saying? He said, I've seen a man or a woman making choices in their lives that were foolish, and I've seen them going downhill, making that choice, a fool just coming to fruition right before my eyes. And what happened was that eventually it caught up with him and his house was cursed. In other words, what he experienced and what he went through as a result of those choices, again, was a a price too high to pay. Here's one in Psalms 107 verse 17 It says this, Some became fools through their rebellious ways and suffered affliction because of their iniquities. He's saying now there's some people that have chosen to be foolish because they've rebelled against the things of the Lord and what they should be doing. And they've suffered iniquity and affliction. And it's a horrible situation. One more. It says in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 35, The wise inherit honor, but fools get only shame. Think about this. You and I, when we choose to walk with God in obedience and pattern our lives according to the scriptures, we inherit honor. That's what will come eventually to you. Now the fool only gets shame because ultimately at some point it always catches up to him. And the result of that is a life of shame and disgrace. Now guys, I know... I know some of you have experienced that. You can look back at an ungodly choice that you've made and you have suffered dearly because of it. You know what it's like to have been a fool for a period of time. And we still struggle at times with that temptation. But as we go through this today, I want to challenge you to reconsider, to understand that it happens and that as a believer, you and I need to reconsider that. We need to count the cost and we need to ask ourselves, is that really how I want to live? We're going to be looking in James chapter 3. We're going to be looking at 6 verses, 13 through 18. We're going to contrast the wise person and the fool as James tells us, you know, as he shows us the characteristics of each. And like I said, the goal here is that you look at yourself, okay, Don't think of this as being, yeah, those people out there, those people on the TV, those people in the news, those people. No, I want you to look at yourself and to say to yourself, or to ask yourself, do I see that person in me at times? And if so, then you're going to have to make some decisions. You're going to have to ask yourself this. Do I want to live this way? Do I want to continue to live this way, making these same choices and suffering the same consequences? Now, if you say yes, then guys, buckle up and brace yourselves because it's only going to get worse. It's going to catch up with you. If you say no, I don't, then it's time for you to repent. Repent simply means that you're going to change it. You're looking at a circumstance, you realize that it's wrong, and now you're going to change it. And that's what we're talking about here today that you recognize the foolishness in your life and that you make those changes. And you can do this because you have within you the ability, because of the Spirit of God living in you, you have the ability to change. You just don't believe it. Let me read this passage for you in James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Here's, I'm just going to read it. He says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So very quickly, I want to go through this. I just want to contrast the two. You look at them yourself and you determine, okay, where would I rather be and why am I not, if that's the case, okay? First of all, the wise. We're going to look at the wise person as portrayed here in this passage. Verse 13. He says this. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. All right. A good life. Here's how you spot a person that is living wisely. Their good life. Their deeds. The good things they do in life. And that are done Now, this is important because this kind of characterizes the whole thing. In this, you're going to find this. The basic difference between the fool and the wise person is the humility and the pride that we struggle with. The humility is the one that is is living wisely. He doesn't think more of himself than he should. and Everything that he does is different than the person that is living based on pride. The, the person that is humble is has more of a realistic view of his life. A realistic esti- estimation of who he is and just how important he really is. If there's one thing that I've come to realize through watching news and all the stuff that's happening with this virus and politics and everything else, that there are a lot of people in this world who think a lot of themselves. They really do. They think that they're Views and their opinions are so important, but they're not. Look with me in verse 17. He goes on now and he starts listing some things. He says, but the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Now watch, what is he talking about? He's just talking about being morally clean. He said, this is what wisdom looks like. You are going to live a life. You're going to choose to obey God and you are going to be morally clean. Now this is a big one. Because the biggest obstacle, I believe, to Christians living wise, godly lives is in the area of morality. Because this is the one we struggle with more often than not. We've got our young people that are believers who are living together and they're not married. We've got young women who go out in in an effort to be popular or win the love of some guy that she likes. She will compromise herself. We've got people making ungodly decisions at very young ages simply because they want to be accepted. He says, here's how you tell a person this wise as opposed to a fool. He said, they're going to be pure. They're going to be morally pure. They're going to have integrity. They're going to be honest. They're just going to be clean people. So as you look at yourself now, and, and we all have to do this, you start asking yourself, in what ways, in what areas of my life am I living? that are unclean. Because if there are areas in my life that are not clean, then I'm a fool. I'm a fool. And someday that's going to catch up to me and I'm going to suffer consequences. Here's the other, here's the next one he says. He says, then it is peace loving. Somebody that loves peace is somebody that doesn't stir up trouble. They learn to get along. They're not always causing division. You're looking at a situation at work, school, church, family, and you're doing your best just to bring peace within the family or the church or whatever. You're not trying to cause division. Yet a lot of people, and again, it goes back to pride, they're trying to hurt, cause division, separate, whatever. He said only a fool would do that, not a wise person. The next one is considerate. They're considerate. In other words, they put other people first. Now, here's an important distinction, okay? A wise person is a person that doesn't care if you succeed. A wise person is a person that wants to help you to succeed. They want to encourage you. They want to be there for you to help you. And if it means you being elevated or succeeding beyond or above them, they're okay with that. See, it all goes back now to this pride and humility thing. He said, here's the next one. A, a person that is wise is submissive. They're not always trying to force their way. So this is important because it's important in a family, in, in your society, in the church, in school. It's important everywhere. That as a person that is wise biblically, I submit to those in authority and I am not threatened. Over the years of ministry, I've had several friends. Man, I don't know why, but they struggled with this. They really did. If there was a police officer, an elder or official in the church, a, a boss at work, it was like they just couldn't stand somebody in authority. They were very foolish in that way, and it showed in a lot of different ways in their lives. But you and I, if we are going to be wise people, we have to submit, as the Scripture says, in areas of our life where God has put us under somebody else's leadership, whatever that may be, your marriage, whatever. But submission is an important quality in a person that is wise here's the the next one a wise person is full of mercy and good fruit just full of mercy they're always doing good they reach out to everybody they they care about everybody they can forgive people who have hurt them deeply they can learn not to hate not to wish ill on people they help people that are fallen they're fruitful in every ministry that they endeavor to do it's just a totally different person than what you see being put forth by the world is, is the way we ought to be. You get you, you know you get what you can. If you're in government, you can just take as much money and be dishonest. It, it doesn't matter. Kickbacks, bribes, but you show mercy and you show good fruit. The next one is that you're impartial. It says that you are impartial if you are a wise person. You're always fair. You're not cliquish. You don't, because somebody's your friend, you do something for them, but you ignore or don't do for the person that's not your friend. Uh, you're impartial. The last one is that you are sincere. That you're just not two-faced. You're honest. You're upfront. You're sincere about how you feel about people and being honest with them. Now, again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each of these because it sort of paints a picture of a person that is humble, a person that wants to live for the Lord and to serve others. Now, here's the result. Now, watch this, okay? The person that chooses to live that way, now watch what happens in the next verse, in verse 18. He says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness kind of an odd verse because you wonder what are they getting? They're being given righteousness? No, that's not what he's saying. He said the people that are like this, the people that are wise, that have these character traits that are always trying to keep peace and love people so forth he said they're going to reap a harvest that comes from righteousness. In other words, they're going to reap the benefit and the blessing for the way they're living their righteous lives will result in a harvest of blessing. And that's the harvest they're going to reap. The consequences, he's saying. In other words, you're going to be blessed whenever you choose to live like a wise person. Now let's flip the coin here and let's look at the fool just for a few minutes. Let's go back to verse 14. He says, but if you harbor, here we go, bitter envy, And selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it and deny the truth. Bitter envy. Mm. Here we got two people that are contrasted. The one that is humble and kind and gracious and loving and compassionate, and the other who is so bitter and envious and jealous that it affects everything they do in life. They always have to be the best. They always have to be number one. They have to shine. Again, guys, okay, 40 years of ministry, being in church work, I have seen so many proud Christians. I've seen people in church who turn ministry into competition, who turn good deeds into something that's going to glorify themselves. You begin to wonder after a while, why are you doing this? Why do you? What do you want? What do you hope to gain? And basically, it's just, they want to be recognized. They want to be honored. They want to be glorified. Bitter envy, selfish ambition, trying to be the best. But then he says this. He says, don't boast about it. He. <laughs> this is an interesting comment because people who live like this, sometimes there's no shame. There's no shame. See, the fool looks at that they think, well, that's normal. That's, What you do, and you boast about it, and basically you don't try to hide it. There's no shame involved in it. You don't care who knows. You're basically denying the truth, and you really, for some reason, just don't care. Man, I've got to tell you, I've had people in this church that have left. There's been several people that I've had to confront over things, especially their attitude and the pride, and they don't like it. And as a result, they picked up and left. I don't understand that. I really don't. I don't understand why somebody would continue to act foolishly without heeding warning, if you will. And they would just choose to leave, but it happens. It's one of those things where you are going to have to ask yourself now, do I see a little bit of me in here? Do I see those times where I'm that way? Look at verse 15. He says, such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly. In other words, it's natural. It's just the flesh, he's saying. It's just the way people are. If you don't tend to it, it'll just take over because that's who we are as people. He goes on to say it's unspiritual. It's not the Holy Spirit. You're a believer. You have the Spirit of God living in you, and there are times when you live, as he says in the next verse, like demonic. He said it is as if something is just possessing you or causing you or leading you or to do something that's just so out of character. You know, we've talked about this, the influence of demonic activity in a person's life, the um, armor of God that Paul talks about in Ephesians, how that we are continually under assault, and sometimes we just can't see it, and sometimes we give in to it. And maybe for you, that's what you're doing right now. You know the Lord. You put your faith in Jesus Christ, but for whatever reason, You're making a choice in this one area of your life to live like a fool. Here's the result. This is interesting. He says in verse 16, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. Ooh. Okay, so here's a person who has chosen in this little area of their life to live foolishly and he says when that happens and a person does that he said what you're going to find in their life is chaos disorder there's not going to be any peace it'll be just a, a mess he said but not only that you will find then every other evil practice creeping in Because once you let the guard down in one area, then you're more susceptible to letting it down in other areas. And for the believer, I've seen this too, that if you don't deal with it, it's as if something just happens to you and you just sort of get worse and worse. You've got to put your foot down. You've got to take a stand. You've got to deal with it. The question then becomes, do you really want to be different? Do you want to be different? You look at your life and you say, okay, I can see that. I can see that I'm giving into this and letting this happen. So now do I want to be different? Now, this is where the challenge comes in. And I'm going to give you some steps, okay, just practical things. There's nothing new here because I've told you this before. Uh, Preaching is one of those things where you have to get into the habit of just repeating things because we just don't get it the first time or the second time or sometimes the third time. So we just have to keep going over it again. That's what preaching is all about. Um, But here are three simple steps that if you are thinking to yourself, I need to change. You know, I really do. Then start with these, okay? Here's the first one. Number one, you have to seek wisdom. You have to seek it. Now, like I said before, every one of us, has put our faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us that we are sealed with the Spirit of God. He lives there within us. He is there and will never leave. I have no doubt in my mind that God does His work because it is God's work to always lead you into righteousness. The Spirit of God is always leading and coaxing and coercing and guiding you. It's that still small voice in your head and in your heart that leads you into doing things that you know are right and you know they are. And like I said before, you are choosing to live contrary to that. So in order to fix it, you're going to have to choose now. Wisdom. You're going to have to choose it. James chapter 1, verse 5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Now what is God going to do? Is he going to pick you up and change you and and make you, force you to do something? No. You're simply saying, Lord, I know that the Spirit lives there and I know that the Spirit will do his work. I am seeking that. I'm asking for that. And now I'm going to yield to that. Whereas before I haven't. But now I am. So Lord, I'm seeking that. I'm, I'm praying and asking that your Holy Spirit would give me wisdom, give me the choices to make and, and guide me to make the right choices in every area of my life, that, Lord, you would soften my heart, The Lord, you would convict me. So you're seeking your the wisdom that God has for you. Secondly is this. It's going to come down to the choice, okay? So you make godly choices regardless of the consequences. Now there's the tough part, okay? Making godly choices when you're sitting in church as a Christian thinking about it is easy. But when you are somebody that's living with somebody and you're not married, and you think to yourself, I don't want to lose this person, the consequences are so great for you that you choose to continue to live like a fool. So no matter what the consequences, if you want to get out of this foolishness that you're in then you're going to have to make a tough choice and that tough choice is to pursue obedience to god regardless of the fallout and regardless of what happens and that is hard let me read you this verse it's in proverbs 13 verse 19 here it is a longing fulfilled is sweet to the soul but fools detest turning from evil Now think about this in in application here to what we're talking about. You have a longing in your heart as a believer to change. You're saying to yourself, I realize I'm wrong. I realize I, I need to change and do something different. And I really want to. That's the longing. And that longing in your heart is sweet to the soul. If you give in to this, things change for you. And it is sweet. But here's the problem. A fool detests turning from his evil ways. That's just a characteristic of foolish behavior. We get into a rut. We get into the habit of living a certain way. And we don't want to change. We don't think we can. But God says you can. And no matter what the consequences, you have to come to that realization. Here's the third and final thing, very quickly that is to seek the counsel of wise people. I've told you this before. The Bible is so clear on this that you and I, at times when we can't see through the, the bushes, you know, we can't see our way out of a problem, we need to go talk to somebody and you need to be perfectly honest, okay? You need to be very open and you need to be very humble and very honest. That This is the mess I've gotten myself into. I sincerely want out of it. I need help. Listen to this verse. In Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. When you're in that condition, when you are in that place of foolishness, you don't want to hear it. See, there's the issue. I know I'm wrong. I don't want to be told that. I don't want somebody giving me their opinion. See, there's the problem. That's that pride thing again coming in. That's the characteristic of a fool. Your pride is preventing you from humbling yourself before God. So my advice is this. If you're struggling with something, then you find somebody that you trust whose wisdom you can take as being godly and you confide in that person and you be honest and you make the decision. And remember, It's your decision to change. And with God's help, I believe with all my heart that anybody can change. I know it. The Bible talks about being transformed. Guys, that is is major. That is not just change. That's transformation. Be transformed by renewing your mind. Change the way you're thinking. Start offering yourself to God. It'll happen. It really will. I want to close with this last verse. If you're here this morning and you are struggling with your faith, you're struggling with knowing if you're really saved, if you're really a believer, I want to go back again now to Psalms with with this last verse, okay? Psalms chapter 14, verse 1. Listen to this one. It says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. As part of being a fool. You reject everything that is godly. Do you know that a fool, for somebody to reject God, they have to foolishly reject all of the evidence that God exists. Only a fool would do that. Only a fool would would do that. But yet we do. You know, the Bible teaches us that God loves you no matter how foolish you are. God loves you no matter what you've done. And that God loved you so much that He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who died on a cross. And He took your payment, your penalty, the debt you owed Him for your sin, He took and He paid it Himself. And He turns to you and me and He says, this is grace. This is grace. That I loved you so much, I paid your debt for you. Will you accept it? Or will you continue to be a fool? Will you believe it? Will you receive it? I believe everyone in this room has, but I can't always be sure of that. But if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ to then do it this morning, right there where you sit, you turn to God, you swallow that pride, and you humble yourself. You say, yeah. I need a Savior. I believe. I believe that you did it for me. And right now I'm trusting you. I'm turning to you and I'm trusting you to save my soul, to forgive me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we bow here before you, Father, we pray that for each one of us as your children, Father, help us to stop living foolish lives. Help us, Father, to be honest about who we are and how we have lived and the mistakes that we've made, not to try to hide them, to get it out into the open and to acknowledge it and to be changed. Father, may we choose righteousness each and every day, every time there is a a, a question, a decision, a fork in the road, that, Father, we would choose righteousness. And that, Father, little by little, we will be transformed into a person of wisdom. And that, Father, as you said, we will reap the fruit, the blessing of God. Father, that is our prayer. That is our prayer. In Jesus' name.